Have you ever awoken to find yourself on the edge of a choice? The stirring that has been building, the desire for something more, a life larger, the dissatisfaction has been rising, the curiosities tickling, coaxing, the seemingly random coincidences of synchronicity, the feathers have been piling at your door, on the street, in your clothes, in your hair. You have collected so many of them now and that unfamiliar tune, it feels more like an anthem, like a pounding in your chest. So you wake and you know that today is the day. It is time to leave. It is time to leave home. It is time to cross that threshold. It is time to move from the world you have known into the unknown world, into the wilderness and the wilds. It is time to be leaving on a jet plane. You don't know when you'll be back again. You don't know when you'll be back again because you don't know where you are heading or how long it shall take or who you shall be at the end of it all. You have no idea the final destination, but you you just know that it is time to go regardless. So you choose this. Today is the day you make the decision. It begins with a choice. You get up and you pack your bags and you choose what you shall need. You choose what you need to leave behind. Both are as important as the other, what you bring and what you leave behind. Torches to light the way in the dark, a knife to cut through twisted vines, a water flask, enough food for at least the start of the journey, chocolate. Of course, you must pack the chocolate and coffee beans too, definitely the coffee beans, a coat to keep you warm, extra socks. It all goes into your waterproof pack for you know it will take the flow of a river when you first begin this. So you take it upon your back and it's one more decision to now walk through the front door. You leave the house of your conditioning and your comfort and your safety and you leave the stringent borders and those high prison walls. Follow the path around the back through the buildings, the streets that knew you and gave you your name. You keep walking, keep walking to the edge of the town and you turn around quickly now, not for too long. You take a picture with your mind for this is the last time you shall be back here. So you thank it for what it was, for who you have become. You pay the homage it is due. Now you turn once more around to face the unknown at the edge of this town, the edge of the world that you have only known. And there is a river at your feet. It separates home from everything out there that you do not know. There is no bridge. There is no boat. There is just the surge and the flow. For once you let yourself go, you can never come back here to home, or at least to the home that has been. Everything changes from this moment. Nothing remains the same. You are leaving and you don't know where you are going to end up, but you are leaving one step into the water. It is cold, a jolt to the system, one tentative step and one more and one more and how time slows when you are on the precipice between the shallows and the strong current of a deep river the ground feels slippery beneath your feet you hear from behind the voices of concern 
a look back reveals the smiling, unsure faces of dear loved ones, concerned parents, troubled pastors, anxious friends. They are looking at you from the border of that very familiar town and each in their own way. They are telling you not to leave, don't leave, come back, be safe, don't leave, don't leave. A look forward though reveals only the unknown and the mystery and you can see the direction the river heads downstream but nothing more you can feel the tug of the undercurrent at your feet the pull of the river's flow the melody of its waters that sounds like that tune that you have been become started to whistling and so in this moment in that moment of that music and that melody that drowns out the sound of those concerned ones, those anxious ones, you gather all of your courage and in one, two, three, four, five, you let your feet rise, you cross the threshold, you give yourself to the beckoning, you surrender yourself to the flow of this river, wherever it may go, you know it is carrying you somewhere forward. Welcome to the deep place on creativity and spirituality. Friends, you are listening to season three of the Deep Place podcast. And in this season, we are going on a journey, the creative journey. My name's Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, let's go. The Deep Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land. And we thank Aunty Di Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. Welcome along to episode four of season three of the Deep Place podcast. Uh, We're talking uh, crossing the threshold today. We're talking the choice to leave what was and go towards what is, not knowing what it might be. There's so much good stuff in this episode today. I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, And and, uh, I'm putting it out there as well at the moment. All of these uh, podcast episodes, they're wonderful to listen to. But if you want to take this further, um, I I really want to... Uh, encourage you and invite you to join the School for Creative Development, which is my own school that I have begun. That's a a creative learning community to help your creativity thrive. Um, Launching in January 2023, um, registrations open at the end of 2022, where you can um, take all the the learnings from from this this podcast this season three of the podcast is actually one of the modules within uh within the course as well as three other modules within the school and you can do these uh basically you get to to sign up it's a membership thing you sign up and you can do these whenever you want uh and you can do them as fast as you want as slow as you want it's a a membership thing Uh, and we're going to be going through them kind of slowly together six months for each of the modules six months we're going to be having zoom gatherings 
hearings. There's workbooks to go through. There's a whole workbook that has been developed around season uh, around this season of the podcast um, to really take the content and bring it as a reality in your life. So please go and have a look at www.schoolforcreativedevelopment.com uh, and you can check all that out there. crossing of the threshold. Friends, it's a a crucial moment in any journey, in any story, the choice to leave home, to leave normality, where life has been normal, 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 and then there's been these hints, these inciting incidences of, of something more, of something different, of something beginning to change. This point, this is where the journey really kicks into action. This is the crossing of the threshold. And it's it's one of the key moments in any journey in Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. And uh, it's the moment that that kicks us from uh, in, in three act structures of narrative structures. It kicks us from act one. Uh, this crossing of the threshold moves then into act two. It's the leaving off point. The It's the setting forth. And so if this is such a, a crucial part for any journey, uh, we're not just talking here uh, metaphoric journeys and, um, and real journeys that you go on and narrative structures and stories. We're talking here the creative journey. This This is a crucial moment in the creative journey, the decision to cross the threshold. Whether we're talking creative practice as a whole and your creative calling in life and stepping out, stepping off, choosing a different way of being in this world, or whether we're talking specific creative projects, it all begins with a decision to cross the threshold. Friends, let's dive deep into this one. So I absolutely adore running. In fact, right now, uh, I am running every day. Every day. And there's been, I mean, there's been seasons of my life when I don't run at all. Uh, and there's seasons of my life when I run lots. And I am I am loving it. Like I'm loving going for a run every day. I drop my kids at school and then I go for a run. And there's so many different reasons why I love running. And I'm going to get into a, uh, another really key reason in a few episodes on that has is, is something really important about this. But here's the thing. It's so many times before I start the run, I just don't don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. Um, I, I mean, especially when it's been a little while, like, you know, how running come does come in those spurts uh, where you run for a few weeks and you're doing really well or a few months and, or a year and then you stop because whatever reason you roll an ankle or something hurts or something happens and, you know, it just things get in the way, life gets in the way, etc. And then like that initial Um, step back into running it's like oh I just can't like there's so much resistance so much resistance towards it but almost like so many times when I have 
made a commitment to go for a run, there's this thing that comes up in me that just resists it. Um, I don't know if you feel the same for anyone who might be into running or swimming or rowing or any kind of fitness, going to the gym, um, or maybe you're not into it, but you know it's something you know that people say that you should do, and you're like, ah, and so. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing with my running. So many times I don't want to do it, and yet not once have I regretted it. Like not once have I gone for a run and come to the end and be like, well, that wasn't worth it. Um, All the time, every time I go for a run, I come away feeling wonderful, feeling wonderful. That post-run bliss and high is there. Um, But also then not just the immediate feeling wonderful, but once I've done it for a few weeks, once I'm in that pattern, then just... I start feeling wonderful uh, in and in general in my life in and of itself. Like I put these rhythms into life um, that they say are good to have, and surprise, surprise, that they are good to have. Fitness is a really good rhythm to have in life. And you know what? Actually, speaking speaking of this, let me do a quick divergent thing. Um, uh, also, you know what's also really good to have in life is sleeping. And you know what's also really good is is eating healthy. Like I remember, I um, I, I I've done lots and lots of youth work and stuff in the past. And I remember this one um, kid years ago who was just like. His life was this constant roller coaster, and often he was a real spiritual kid. Um, and he would he would often have what he felt like were um, like attacks of of Satan or um, some kind of spiritual warfare. He might have called it, or and it'd be so full on, and everything'd be really intense, and he'd be talking about it and talking about how how all these things are happening, and it must be because the devil's against him, and and it's all going wrong, and he's really struggling he can't even get out of bed and the weight of it it's so hard and then and I remember every time you get in those conversations where it's so full-on for him I'm like hey mate have you how's your sleep going and he's like oh I'm not really sleeping at the moment and what about your eating how's your eating going oh no it's not not great and then you get uh you introduce some back in some rhythms of sleep some rhythms of eating healthy and gosh how surprising the other stuff calms down the the things that those start that stuff his mental health struggles uh, that was so massive sometimes it's just get get into a rhythm of eating well of sleeping well and and for me this running of fitness and things just life just becomes easier like we we do we spiritualize stuff we we complex it and i know definitely there's there's more complexities to mental health than just eating sleeping and getting exercise but actually Uh, one of the major major first steps to getting mental health struggles okay is those things and so back to running every time I run um, I feel wonderful and so here's what I do then when I come again to that moment of apathy to that moment of full-on resistance I remind myself I remind myself that every time I run I never regret it And I choose once again to run and I step out the front door and I run and I don't regret it. 
And then the next day, the resistance comes up again and I remind myself and say, no, you know, you know that every time you go running, you're not going to regret it. So let's go. Let's do this. Um, Here's the thing. You know, not once have I regretted a creative project that was mine. Like there's been creative career decisions that I that I might have regret in some ways, things that I could have done differently or whatever, whatever. But the act of creating itself, of, of learning a new creative thing, of starting a new creative project, of, of, of actually physically engaging in something creative, not just thinking about it and wanting to do something creative, but putting fingertips to keyboard, pen to paper, paint to canvas, uh, whatever it might be. Not once have I regretted it. Once I have gotten into it, once I've stepped, into it but the beforehand oh the resistance the resistance is real my friend the resistance is real and resistance keeps coming at us all the time often just before we begin something just before when we've got hints in the air of something we could maybe be doing and we're dreaming about it and and synchronicities happening and all these things we can hear the the unfamiliar tune calling us and etc etc but the resistance rises up up in us um, the the and then plays out in often in terms of apathy uh, that apathetic feeling comes in um, and so maybe you're feeling the call but there's you're feeling the call for a specific creative project or you're feeling the call to really give yourself to the creative uh, car- to create a career or just to your creative practice to shaping your life around creative rhythms and your creative practice you're feeling the call to do it but there is this thing in you revolving vaulting against the thought of having to stretch those creative muscles and and having to go on those first uh, those those jogging first steps those first jogs when you feel a little sick and you're like puffed out after like um, one kilometer or one mile for you Americans who are listening but but then remind yourself When have you ever regretted playing with something creative? Just giving it a go, just stepping out and creating. I cannot think of a time that I have regretted any of my creative play, any any creative thing that I've given myself to. And so I remind myself once again, and so you remind yourself once again as you're standing before that threshold there has not been a point of regret there has not been a point of regret with this may that give you the courage and the gumption to take the first step make a choice make a decision to do something to step over that threshold to cross that threshold A few quick words from our sponsors. You know, when I come across people who are able to, um, who are able to sift through the black and white and realize that actually our spiritual journeys and our creative journeys are full of complexity and nuance and they are not an easy thing just to live out. When I come across people who honor that, I feel like I've found a bit of a tribe that I can belong to. And the Practice Co. is exactly that. 
um, daily reflections, meditations, devotions on things to help you in your spirituality journey, holistic spirituality journey. Go check out thepracticecode.com and you can download their app and it will be amazing for you. As you guys know, one of the sponsors of the Deep Place podcast is ACOM, the Australian College of Ministry, which is an online educational institution where you can get accredited courses, undergraduate, postgraduate, um, the creativity and spirituality course that I run. But there's a whole lot of different spirituality units that they run, things like intro to Christian spirituality, spiritual formation and personal transformation, the art and science of formation, sounds so good, spiritual mentoring, the art of discernment. There's just so many things that these guys are doing, so many units that you could do that I know are going to like really um, bring a whole lot of good stuff to your life. So go and have a look at acom.edu.au if you want to do some accredited study. You know what the, the difference is? between those who do something and those who do not do something is really the only difference is those who do something do something. <laughs> that sounds really a little bit too obvious, doesn't it, Joel? Um, thanks for that insightful piece of wisdom. Those who do something, do something. That's brilliant. Genius. Actually, actually, I think it is. The, the difference between those who do something and those who do not do something is simply that those who do something, do something. I have known so many people who dream about what their creative life might be. So many who have these ideas of these massive creative projects they could do, uh, who have these stories going around in their brain about some fiction story that they're going to write, and they'll have them there for years, and not once do they put pen to paper? Do they put fingertips to keyboard? Um, Not once do they step out and actually engage in a practical way the creative thing that they're wanting to bring into this world. I know so many people who have done that. The only difference between them who really most of those people who who live like who choose to live like that, because it's a choice to live like that as well. most of the people who choose to live like that, I I do not see near as much the creative fulfillment and the creative stuff that they're bringing into this world. I don't see it happen near as much in their lives as opposed to those who who I do, those who do something, really the biggest major difference is those who do something, they actually do something. I know that sounds so simple, yet it is so important. If you are a dreamer, be careful because you can dream your way into oblivion. You can dream and dream and dream, but unless you take that first step, unless you just start to do with all the fear and all the apathy coming up in you and all that resistance, take the step, step over that threshold. That, simply put, is going to be the difference between those who live a creative life and those who don't. Those who live a creative life, they choose to do something. And the key point here is choice. It is, it is all about the choosing. Choosing. Let me read you from, um, from Cheryl Strade's book 
Wild, Cheryl Strayed's book, uh, is so wonderful. Maybe you've seen the movie, maybe maybe you've read the book. It's it's brilliant. It's well worth engaging with and thinking about. As I mean, this this whole book is a a journey book. It's called Wild: A Journey from Lost to Found, and you could read this book alongside listening to this creative journey series of, of the Deep Place podcast and and engage, have a think through what is what how does this journey relate to the life journey, the creative journey, the spiritual journey, the, the journey that we are talking about. Um, re- I really would encourage you to get into uh, into this book of hers. Um, let me let me read some of this for you, um, just the very the start of it. My solo three-month hike on the Pacific Crest Trail had many beginnings. There was the first flip decision to do it, followed by the second more serious decision to actually do it, and then the long third beginning composed of weeks of shopping and packing and preparing to do it. There was the quitting of my job as a waitress and finalising my divorce and selling almost everything I owned and saying goodbye to friends and visiting my mother's grave one last time. There was the driving across the country from Minneapolis to Portland, Oregon, and a few days later catching a flight to Los Angeles and a ride to the town of Mojave and another ride to the place where the uh, Pacific Crest Trail crossed a highway, at which point, at long last, there was the actual doing it, quickly followed by the grim realisation of what it meant to do it followed by the decision to quit doing it because doing it was absurd and pointless and ridiculously difficult and far more than I expected doing it would be and I was profoundly unprepared to do it. And then there was the real live truly doing it. The staying and doing it in spite of everything. In spite of the bears and the rattlesnakes and the scat of the mountain lions I never saw. The blisters and scabs and scrapes and lacerations. The exhaustion and the deprivation. The cold and the heat. The monotony and the pain. The thirst and the hunger. The glory and the ghosts that haunted me as I hiked 1100 miles from the Mojave Desert to the state of Washington by myself and finally once I'd actually gone and done it walked all those miles for all those days there was the realization that what I'd thought was the beginning had not really been the beginning at all that in truth my hike on the Pacific Crest Trail hadn't begun when I made the snap decision to do it it had begun before I even imagined it precisely four years seven months and three days before when I'd stood in a little room at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota and learned that my mother was going to die. Cheryl Strade's wild. A decision and another decision and another decision. It was choice after choice after choice that led her to the actual doing it. She made that decision, followed by another, followed by another, and then stepping out and actually doing the thing. It's always about the decision. 
once the decision has been made, I think the act of moving forward into the new and the unknown becomes so much easier. Um, but it'll be decision built upon decision, built upon decision. Um, when I'm still undecided, if I'm still holding on to the comfort that has been and not really wanting to let it go, oh, then it's so much harder. So, so the moving, the stepping forward is as much about letting go as it is about stepping forward. The packing of our bags is as much about what we need for the journey and realizing what we do not need for the journey and what we need to leave behind. Did you get that? They are just as important as each other. What you are going to pack for the journey is just as important as what you need to choose to leave behind. Like you're going to need a a compass to point the right way and you're going to need a map and you're going to need torches to light the way, a knife to cut through the vines, a water flask, enough food for the start of the journey and chocolate and coffee beans (laughs) and a coat to keep you warm and extra socks and your waterproof pack, just like I said in the intro to this. You're going to need these things. Um, And and being prepared with those things is going to help you in the journey, uh, working out what you need to pack for your creative practice to thrive is really important sitting there. You can spend some time. Perhaps this is one of the tasks you could do now. What do I need to pack? Write that down. What do I need? Either going into your creative journey as a whole to, to, to stepping out on this creative journey that is your creative practice, um, that is your creative calling and vocation. What do you need? What do you need to pack? Um, but then also what, make another list. So there's two lists you're going to make now or in the next, next day or two as you reflect on this. What do you need to pack? And what do you need to not pack? What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to leave behind? I remember uh, being in in New York City um, and I had just begun a journey. I had just begun uh, a journey with my wife. We had sold up everything and we were going to be traveling the world for a year and a half, 18 months of traveling the world. Um, and we began it kind of in New York City. Previously to this, I'd been running um, I'd been running a course um, a th- uh, at a theological college for um, uh, called Year in the Sun for students who wanted to work out their own stuff before then trying to help others, kind of a, a year of self reflection and wrapped around a degree kind of idea model and um, it, it was a really beautiful amazing time poetry had taken over my life and I'd started the center for poetics and justice and that had taken over and become really massive um, we were doing like I was doing like what felt like between the the work at the college and my own creative practice and the center for poetics and justice that organization I started it felt like I was doing three full-time jobs in one in one life <laughs> at the same time I was really busy and part of that then led into needing just to stop everything um, and to to take this trip to go traveling Um, and I remember uh, at the start we were in New York City and I had been because my life had just been like go 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 and leading people and running things and doing this and doing that there we were in New York City um, where supposedly I'd stopped doing all of that like I'd left all that 
behind but i but i hadn't because what happened uh, we were in new york city and i was like all right uh, basically i was dragging my wife through new york city uh, each day going okay we're gonna go here and we're gonna see this we're gonna do the high line and we'll go to the statue of liberty and then we'll do this and then we'll do that and so uh dragged her around one day next day next day by about the third day uh, it's like night time um my wife who is an introvert and uh definitely doesn't have that that um that drive to be doing 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 all the time like i did i'm there i remember it's night time and i'm planning for this thing and um planning the next day of like here we can do this and then we'll go do this and then we'll go do this and 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 my wife is like stop just just stop stop doing all of the things you you have been leading people for so long and now you're leading me and you just need to freaking stop it's smart to listen to your partner when they when they express things <laughs> when they express things like this um and what i what i realized now is is i hadn't worked out what i needed to leave behind on that trip like I was still in the going, doing, running, leading. Um, I was still in this in this mindset, in this pattern, in this rhythm that I had created my life into. And to go on this journey, to truly go on this journey, I needed to leave some stuff behind. Hmm. And I hadn't at that point. But that that moment, that was kind of the the change. That was the change. I think the next day we uh, went to Central Park and did nothing. Actually, and the next day, that's where I started to write. That's where I started to write every single day. That was that decision point. If, if I wasn't going, one of the ways that I needed to choose to slow down, to truly go on this journey, for me, was to make the decision that we would be somewhere and I would choose to be present to that place, not wanting to go everywhere else and do all the different things, but being okay with being present in one place. That's where I made the commitment. I made the choice. I made the choice there, the decision, which is one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I can see now looking back, it was a a crossing a threshold moment. I made the decision that I would write every single day, that I would write a poem something creative every single day and you know what however many years on now from that i think we're about a decade on from that 10 years ago that trip was um i am still writing something creative a poem a piece of writing every single day it is still the journey that i am on and that decision came about because i had to realize what do i need to leave behind and not pack in my bag i didn't need the the person that i was when i was running all these things and doing all this stuff and leading people i needed a different i needed to be a different kind of person i needed to leave that all that stuff behind and then like it was obviously that wasn't just a snap decision and then oh easy this is great i can just slow down i had to then go on a, a very intentional process through doing things like writing every day and a bunch of other things that then helped me to actualize it i made the decision and then there was more decision points along the way i'm going to share one of those in a little bit but just like cheryl strade said it was a decision and then it was another decision and it was another choice it was an intentional choice to do this and then what does she say what does she say she says that 
as she then finished it all, looking back, she realized actually the journey had begun a lot earlier. The things had been happening that were calling her to go on this journey a lot earlier and it had begun without her even realizing it on that day sitting with her mum in the hospital. That's when it had begun. She could not have come to that decision had she not. She could not have come to that realization had she not been willing to go on this journey and made these decisions to go on that journey to then realize the bigger journey of her life that she had been going on. This is the point of all of this stuff. Yes, we are making decisions to to go into our creative practice and you're making small decisions about, I'm going to begin this journey. I'm going to cross the threshold to start this little creative project that I've always wanted to do. Maybe the decision that you're making and you make that decision, you sit here and you're listening to this podcast and this is a moment where you're like, yep, I'm going to commit. I'm going to make this decision to do that. And then in a few days time, you're sitting there and you've got a little bit of free time and you feel the resistance coming up in you and this little niggling sound that for some reason, that voice sounds like Joel McCarrow in my my head right now telling me, do the creative work, do the creative work, step over that threshold. And you're feeling the apathetic come up like the resistance, like when you want to go running or do whatever it might be. And you, you know, you made a decision, you made that choice when you were listening to this podcast, but then in the thick of the moment, in the heat of the resistance, you're like, friends, remember, you're not going to regret this. You're not going to regret stepping out and making this another decision. It's decision and then decision and decision. The, the stepping off over the threshold is not a one decision thing. It happens and it happens again. Then it happens again and it happens again as we then step into the flow of then what is coming. Work out what you need to pack and what you need to leave behind to go into this creative season that you are going into. It is all in the choosing, in the committing. And part of that may be that you need to leave behind the voices of those people standing in the familiar town who are saying to you, no, 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 don't go, don't, no, 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 be safe. Come back here, be safe. Concerned parents, concerned pastors, the people who don't understand the journey that you feel the call to go upon. And they would rather you be in comfortable land, in a controlled space. Um, Those voices that have kept you captive for a long time, that's some some very obvious um, baggage that you don't need to pack. You don't need to take that stuff. You don't need to take those words that people have said about you that have weighed you down for too long. How about you start this journey with a lighter pack, friends? With a lighter pack, not weighed down by the baggage, someone else's baggage that they have put upon you through the things they have said and the things that they have done. It is not your baggage to carry. It is not your baggage to carry. You've got some things that you need to put into your pack to go through into this season, but you must empty that pack of those voices 
those names, those things that people have done and said that have weighed you down for too long. You, this, this journey, this journey will be what it is as you work out what needs to be left behind in your own life. Please sit and make those lists. Sit there and make the lists of what you're going to pack and what you're going to leave behind. I assure you, um, it's going to set you up well. It's going to prepare you well for this journey. I remember then what happened after New York City. After New York City, we went to Washington, D.C. And I think I might have even told this story on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again because it's one, because it's one of the most crucial stories in my life. And, um, you know, you need to hear it again. We never need to just hear something once. We need to hear it a number of times. If you've heard this story before, then listen out because it'll tell you something in a different way. We went to Washington, D.C. after New York City. And uh, in in Washington, D.C. is the Khalil Gibran Memorial. Khalil Gibran has had a huge impact on my life through his writings. The book, The Prophet, was one of those books I carried around in my bag with me, continually reading it over and over and over again for a few years. Um, his way of seeing the world, of articulating the world, of naming the world. Actually, when we were in New York City, before we went to D.C., um, the his book, The Prophet, was actually written there in New York City. Um, and so we went to... Um, we went to where his apartment was, which his house was or apartment, wherever, whatever it was, um, that's now been knocked down. But it was there, like standing on, um, there's another set of apartments there or whatever, but standing there on that ground thinking of this great man who, who walked the streets of this city and walked through Central Park writing the wisdom that is found in the prophet. Oh, it was incredible. And so then we get to, uh, to D.C., and the Washington, D.C. Memorial is there, which is just out. you got to catch a bus to it. It was this really hot day. I went by myself. Heidi did something else. Um, and I, I went to the Washington, D.C. Memorial, caught a bus out there, came in from the back. And as I'm walking up, uh, it was like a, um, a bit of a, a hill um, forest uh, reserve that I didn't realize I was coming in from the back, but that's what was happening. And I, I came in, and I'm like, oh, I got to walk up this path. So I'm walking through this, um, this, this junk, this forest, this little forest um, reserve. And then, uh, and there was three deer that greeted me, like uh, as I'm coming in. And as I saw these deer, it was like everything hushed. And I realized, ah, oh, this is a sacred thing that's about to happen. It was like the deer were inviting me into a sacred moment. They moved on their way. I came over the top of this reserve, the top of this hill, and there was the Khalil Gibran Memorial, um, a fountain with statues and uh, quotes from his books all around and just this beautiful little park, essentially. And and so I plonked myself there and I sat there and I started writing and, um, and just was there for 
for maybe an hour or two of creating and thinking and thinking about his life. And I had his book, I read some of his book while I was sitting there and, and I just continually felt the sacredness of this moment coming up. And this is, this is, um, something was happening in me, something like more and more. I'm like, I just, I want to be doing this. Like, this is what I want to be doing for my life. This is, this is such a, this creative thing um, that has begun to take over my life. Actually, this is it. This is the heart of what I want to be doing, living a creative practice. And so I'm like, I got to do something. Like the fire was so great in me. I'm like, I got to do something. Like I got to commit to, I got to make a decision. I got to memorialize this thing. (laughs) And so that is what I did in the fountain of the Khalil Gibran Memorial in Washington, D.C. I got into that fountain and I got onto my knees in that water and I I baptized myself. I dunked myself under the water and made a covenant, made a commitment. I will be a writer for the rest of my life. Come rejections, come hell or high water, this is what I'm going to do. Every time I tell this story, my heart remembers. I remember my tears come because I am remembering that commitment that when things get hard, I come back to this and I say, I made this decision on that day. I have a stone that I picked up in my hand right now. If you could see it, there is a stone from the Khalil Gibran Memorial that I picked up when I baptized, when I dunked myself under. I came up declaring this moment. I'm a writer, whatever happens from here, no matter how many rejections I get, no matter what happens in my life from now, that fountain for me was a threshold. It was a threshold. I made the decision and I stepped into the flow of the last 10 years, the last decade of my life dedicated to the creative practice. And I do not regret it. And I do not regret it. And when I come to those times when I'm not feeling like creative, like creating, when I come to the beginning of a new thing that I'm being called into and the apathy comes up in me, the resistance comes up in me in whatever form resistance comes up, it is then that I remind myself and I pick up this stone from the Khalil Gibran Memorial and I remember and I remember and that gives me the courage to continue on into the creative journey that I'm now being called into. Truly, friends, that that commitment that I made on that day was a crossing of the threshold, the beginning of my full and utter dedication to the creative journey. Uh, it was a fountain, not a river, like in the, uh, the little intro that I did there, but the waters of that fountain and the commitment of that day, it truly has carried me onwards um, from that moment, that covenant. Like it feels pivotal now. It feels like my life 
pivots, a before and after on that moment um, when I made the decisions, I made that choice. Friends, what decision do you need to make now in regards to your creative practice? What commitment do you need to make? Perhaps it's just a, a commitment to this next creative project that's been stirring in your heart and soul and gut. And you know you need to make that decision, that choice to cross the threshold and begin it. Make the decision and then to do the work. Or perhaps it's larger than that. Perhaps you've been feeling, perhaps you've been, there's a bunch of, been a whole lot of synchronicity happening for you and you're feeling the calling that you need to kind of do what I did uh, at that moment in that fountain. It's like now is the time, I need to make a decision to dedicate my life to this creative practice, to this creative calling uh, so that when it gets hard, I can stand on that commitment, that decision like you do when you get married and you make that marriage covenant. When things get hard, you remember back to it. It's the same thing. What commitment do you need to make now? Could you even write it down? What do you need to do? What do you need to commit to? What decision do you need to make right now? Are you going to make that decision to go and walk the the, um, the Pacific Crest Trail. <laughs> um, are you going to make that decision now? And then you make it again and then you make it again and you keep on making it throughout. Um, but it begins with a decision. It begins with a choice. It begins with a choice. then is it so bloody hard like why is it so hard the choice to cross the threshold then when we know it'll be good for us we know that going for this run and the next run and the next run and the next run is going to only do good things in our life i think the choice why the choice to cross the threshold is so hard a major thing is because because the choice to begin something new is also the choice to end something that was. Let me say that again. The choice to begin something new is also the choice to end something that was. It's, it's, it's time for something to end and we need to let that thing go to move on to a better way of being. I'm not even a better way, but the way that is for now, for what this season is calling us into. I needed to change how I was living, sitting in New York City that time. I needed to change. I needed to let go of who I had been and come to the place of embracing this new journey that we were physically going on. But that's so much the creative journey as well. Um, that we begin something new is the choice to end something that was. Creative projects that have been in the past that maybe never got off the ground, let them go for now. Like you might come back to them in some in some way, but often we have, or, or maybe it's just like the, the dream of what your creative practice was gonna be. You had this dream and you've been working your way towards it for a long time, but now, the the winds of change are blowing and the unfamiliar tune is coming and the success you hoped for is not there and, and so you're battling
battling this thing. You wanted it to be like this. You wanted to get all those. Um, you wanted to get a billion trillion followers. You wanted to get. Uh, you wanted a song to break, and and you wanted to go viral. And you wanted these were the dreams you had. But now you now you're feeling this much richer creative calling coming up that is not based on likes or on going viral or on anything like that, but on a living a creative way of life that brings you fulfillment and brings change to the world around you and brings peace and brings so much good stuff. Perhaps you need to let this thing end to begin something new. The voices of others that you don't need to pack like we talked about before. Perhaps it's just your own self-doubt, your own self-doubt and your own self-condemnation. These are the things that need to end. And we fear that we fear this new beginning because we're so used to the comfortable life that we've lived in this land called for in this town called familiar. We're so used to it. But there's this this decision needs to be made to face those things. To know that every beginning is also an ending. And be okay with that. Be okay with some things ending. Perhaps some friendships need to end. There's some relationships that haven't been good for you or that were for a season and are no longer. We, we hold on to things so much. We hold on to things so much. And part of the creative life is this continual letting go, letting go. And so who better to help us explore this uh, letting go than my dear friend, Rochelle Bourne. I asked her to come on and share um, a beautiful song of hers and kind of the lead up to the song, um, why she wrote it and, and how it came about. You might remember her from, um, she was on the Deep Place podcast, uh, episode 27, um, and I just asked her to come. So, so have a listen to both her words and then uh, this stunning song that I think speaks directly to this in a beautiful way. Hi, I'm Rochelle. I'm one of Joel's mysterious few. Um, I just wanted to share a little story and a song that I wrote as I was working through letting go of the way I'd been thinking about my music and creative practice and basically a lifetime of pretty unhealthy beliefs that I'd picked up along the way um, that had begun to feel very limiting and suffocating for me. Um, things like that if I didn't make it in music, it was all a waste and I was letting everyone down and stuff like that. Um, so basically I'd thrown myself into a solo project at the time, all my money and every ounce of my time. And even though it started out as exciting and life-giving and really good, the truth was that I'd been striving and pushing and living up to some unknown expectation of what my life should look like as a musician and the pressure to make something successful out of my music just felt like now it was sucking all the life and joy out of me and um, it was no longer <laughs> good. Um, there were so many layers to what was going on at the time for me basically but um, I became really unhappy. I stopped wanting to write songs. I felt sick inside constantly. I was having panic attacks. And I couldn't understand why, because this was my dream. Like I was going for what I'd always wanted. And it started off so, so good. 
but it had become something that felt like if I kept going the way I was going, I was just going to get more and more lost. So I was at what I guess was a threshold moment where I just knew I had the choice to keep on the path I was on or to just let the whole thing go, like take away the boundaries and the expectations I'd built around myself and my creativity and face into the unknown, start again without any agenda of what that might look like. And for me, this all came to a head right when I was releasing a brand new EP into the world. And it would mean putting it out there, yes, but then walking away, like no promotion, no trying to make it be heard by the right people, no gigs, no tours, nothing. Because all of that stuff had become part of what was making me feel the way that I was. And I just knew that I needed to find the joy of creating again because that was what made me feel like myself. And I felt the least like myself than I had in years. But I was also terrified because I had no idea who I would be on the other side of letting go. And it seemed like the absolute opposite of what I should be doing. Like to give up everything I'd built up over the years just seemed like the biggest price that I could pay to try and find my creative spark again. Uh, But I managed to do it. And from this side of things, I can say it was the best decision I ever made for my creativity and my happiness and for myself. Because once I let it go and I had to let go a few times, um, then slowly the songs began to come back. And this was one of them.
we've always known without some sense of loss? How do we leave those places deeply inscribed in our skin without a sense of pain and a tearing from their comfort when we move our seat out from the kitchen table that we have grown up in? How do we do that without a fond sadness for the memories so enmeshed within us, the long hours spent embedding what has always been us? We were held and we were carried. We were held and we were carried by what has been in our past, by good intentions and broken actions and comfort and pain and grief and loss and 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 beautiful relationships and the ending of those relationships and the beginning of new ones and ending and beginning. And all this has worked its way under our skin and into our soul. And we can't we can't leave that which we have known as life without a lament for all that it met within us. We can't leave what needs to be left behind without a deep sense of fear, of sorrow, sometimes regret. Even those hurtful stories and those painful pasts, as much as we hate them, they still cling to our identity. Too much of ourselves was made from their fragments. The memories have have become our clothes that keep us warm on cold nights. And Khalil Gibran writes, it is, it is not a garment I cast off this day, but a skin that I tear with my own hands. For to stay though the hours burn in the night, it would be to freeze and crystallize and be bound in a mold. See, such is, is the pain and the necessity of moving forward. To stay is safety. You could be safe and comfortable because to step out is danger and it is dangerous. It's uncertain. It is risk. But to stay is to be frozen. To walk forward is, is to be smashed in pieces and to melt slowly. But melting is the only way that we can change our shape. The only way we can rearrange our frozen thought and existence to stay is to lose ourselves, but to go on is to be skinned of our security, torn in two and unraveled at the edges to shed the skin of the old. I think of the lobster. The lobster also sheds its skin. It's the only way that it can grow. It's a shedding of its outer shell that then brings about a newness and a rawness. We lay down our protective garments. 
so that we can live out of our fledgling selves, raw and vulnerable and bursting forth into the new. Our frayed endings, our unraveled tendrils reach out to grasp that which is beyond them. This is the the pioneering, the moving forward. This is what it is to step over that threshold. It can feel like a tearing. It really can feel like a tearing of all that was as we then give ourselves to all that might be. To all that might be. thing to realize as we start heading towards a landing uh, is that not only is every beginning an ending but for this new beginning so every not only is every beginning an ending but for this new beginning there is also no ending in sight in other words you're you're leaving the known and you're going into the unknown you're Ending one thing that you knew that was familiar and comfortable, but the new has not yet taken shape. You can't see what it is. Every beginning has an ending, but every beginning, you, you can't see what the ending is going to be. This is, this is what we call liminality. It's what Richard Rohr, call, uh, Richard Rohr actually says that liminality, where one thing has ended and another has not yet begun, which essentially is what this threshold is. It's, it's this choice decision make to step into the new, even though you don't know what shape it's going to take. This liminal threshold space, the cross, this crossover between what was and what is, the ending of something, but the new has not yet begun. This is the threshold. Richard Rohr says this is the place where the most learning happens, where the most growth happens. This is why this point in the journey is so, so important. Um, I mean, in some ways we could say that the whole journey is liminal space. Every journey that we go on when we're lost in the forest or in the desert or on the ocean, like we're going to look at in future weeks, um, when we're in that place, they're all liminal spaces. But the choice to step into liminality, that's what this threshold space is. That, that that kind of choice, um, beginning something means you are now not doing something other. You've cut your options down. You've narrowed your focus down to this thing that you'll give your energy to and it's so important to. So begin a new project, not knowing where it's going. When I start a new thing, I might have the vaguest idea of where it might be heading. Um, and that's okay. That's a good thing, a good place to be in. As much as we want to plan out what this journey is going to be and what this journey is going to look like and what this creative product is going to become, etc. And planning is good and you can do the planning. But but um, but I love the idea with, with story that you start with a character and you set them off on their journey and then you chase them to see where they go. And, and I can attest to it so much. Often I will have an idea, just the briefest idea. And then I build some characters around that in terms of my writing and I set them off and I follow after them and I see what happens. And on the journey, 
on the journey, the ending gets clearer, but I can never get to that ending if I'm wanting it to be clear, if I'm wanting the ending to be clear before I start, before I take that step, before I cross that threshold, before I jump into the creative flow, into that river, um, stepping out into the creative practice, not knowing where it is taking me. So whether it's a new creative project or a, or, or a change in creative Creative practice or you're committing to it or whatever it might be, you're not going to know where it's taking you and that is okay. Stepping out from what was and having no idea, this is the, this is the in-between. This is the in-between. Danny Shapiro says, be willing to stand at the base of a new mountain and with humility and grace bow to it. Allow yourself to understand that it is bigger than you or anything you could possibly imagine. You're not sure of the path. You're not sure where the next step will take you. When you begin, whisper to yourself, I don't know. I don't know. Friends, step out. Make the decision to step over that threshold. To leave the Shire. This is it. This is what? If I take one more step, it'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. Come on, Sam. Remember what Bilbo used to say? It's a dangerous business, Frodo. Going out your door, you step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. Friends, the road goes ever on and on, down from the door where it begun. Now far ahead the road is gone and I must follow if I can, pursuing it with eager feet, until it joins some larger way, where many paths and errands meet, and whither then I cannot say. This beautiful journey that a hobbit goes on to take a ring to a mountain, <laughs> throw it into a volcano. You know, that that journey, that decision that Frodo makes again and again and again, that's stepping across the threshold and here's Samwise stepping across further than he's ever been before and who knows where it will take you. That journey had begun long before for both Samwise and Frodo it had begun long before it begun in the life of Bilbo and he when he when he fell down through a hole and started talking to a creature called Gollum it had begun a long time a long time before that I want to finish with a poem for you uh, that is about this in-between space this liminal space when you are in liminality See if you can stay there and learn from it. This is what we're going to, what we're going to be looking at over these over these next few weeks. Because every new every every thing we encounter on the creative journey, everything. If we're going into Act Two, we've just been in Act One, uh, and now we're stepping over the creative threshold into Act Two. Act Two is a liminal act. It's a liminal act. Act Three. We'll get to much later on, but for now, it's a liminal act where something has ended and a new 
The new has not yet begun, is starting to begin, but we don't know what it is. This is the creative journey, liminality and being okay with liminality, choosing to be okay, even when we don't feel it, even when resistance is there, this is where it all begins. I want to finish with this poem that was recorded live at an album, at a book launch of mine, uh, with my band, The Mysterious Few. Um, Have a listen to it, and as you listen, I kind of want you to make some decisions, to make a choice, to step over the threshold, to leave behind what needs to be left behind, to step into liminality, make a decision, a commitment, a covenant, whatever that might look like for you. Go dunk yourself in a fountain or a river or something. I'll see you next time. This is our last song, last song poem for the night. Oh, love and loss and where to from here? And fractures and wounds in this ocean of fear Let the soft breeze blow She always comes slow She holds her heart in pieces But still she holds it She's broken down to memories of hands held soft And moonlight kisses And it's the way that he would look at her And it's the knowing that she was known But then the two were torn And the clouds have gathered bruised and the notion of all that this was going to be is to be now no more. With every new beginning comes an ending and she is ending. And she is beginning. On love and loss and where to from here On fractures and wounds and this ocean of fear Let the soft breeze blow, she always comes slow. The thing is that most days we refuse to end what needs to be ended. We hold on to it, carry it with us and let the poison mingle. A knife in the back, we leave it piercing, keep stabbing heart and lungs and the once whole pieces. But to begin again with rebuilding, It always occurs on a solid foundation, the clearing of the ruins. No more what-ifs, no more holding on with gripped fingers. She is learning how to let go. She is learning how to let go. She is learning how to let go. She is learning how to build again. The reconstruction that comes after the crumbling, it begins with a closing and a clearing and the pouring of a new foundation. So we give ourselves to these moments, this beginning, this forging, this change in the wind. We lift tired heads demanding that we are more than this. Even as our necks are splintered and our backs are broken and our tongues are blistered and still we turn ourselves around and smell the movement. Let the soft breeze blow she always comes slow dusk and the dawn dusk and the dawn it's in the autumn's fall it's in autumn's fall the threshold plays and it's in the way the wave breaks on love and loss and where to from here on fractures and wounds and this ocean of fear on love and loss and where to from here
fractures and wounds in this ocean of fear let the soft breeze blow she always comes slow like everything that begins again she does not hurry she knows that if we hurry we shall miss this so the soft wind speaks and she says don't rush this it's where the real is it's in the in-between and in the overlap. It's in the dusk and the dawn and it's in autumn's fall. It's in the threshold place and the way the wave breaks. And it's in every space that lies between you and all that it is you wish to be. Where to from here? And love and loss and where to from here? Fractures, fractures and wounds in this ocean of fear. So stay there, friend. Do not hold on to what was, but stay there in the in-between for as long as you can stay there. And give yourself to the moment, to where the moment that is not quite done greets that moment that has not yet begun on love and loss and where to from here on fractures and wounds and this ocean of fear let the soft breeze blow change always comes slow